Edmund K. Takwaye now presents Red Queen, Part 1, by Victoria Aviard. Welcome back to MNK Talk YA. I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And this week, we started a brand new series. It The first book is called Red Queen, and it's by Victoria Aviard. That's such a cool name, by the way. And I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It seems, I, I could have very easily looked this up, and I didn't. It seems like very... Regal. Yeah, it, it is. Victoria, it's Victoria. Like, that's such a, a royal-sounding name. And just before we spoil something for someone on accident, because we'll probably talk about stuff, we read up to chapter 17 this week. So if you haven't read that far, go read and then come back. So speaking of spoiling things for yourself, I was trying to do some research about the author, and uh-huh. I... I spoiled a huge thing for myself, and I'm so angry. Oh, no. I know. So I started researching her, Victoria Aviard, and then I stopped because I read something, and I was just like, well, crap. What am I going to do now? About the whole series or about the first book? About a character in the first book and something that happens to this character. Oh, no. That's the worst. I know. I'm so angry. Okay, well, don't spoil it for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I promise. I actually have a lot of trouble if I am only seeing interviews where they're talking specifically like about the second book or something. I'm always afraid that they're going to spoil something. So I either like to look them up after we finish the first book and then just read stuff before their second book comes out or try to find stuff where they're not really talking about the book that much. So I actually like avoided a lot of interviews. I think it ends on a cliffhanger because I saw one thing it was like, the second book takes place one second after the first book or something. And I was like, I'm too afraid that they're going to say more. Um, well, the one thing I did learn about her is that we totally missed the War Storm tour, which is the last book that just came out in May. Um, <laughs> once again. But it didn't come to Atlanta, though, I don't think. No, it didn't come to Chicago either. Okay, so. so we couldn't have gone anyway. <laughs> we wouldn't have gone anyway, let's be honest. <laughs> Until we get sponsors that pay for us to fly around the world to these book signings. That's what we need. Oh, man. One day. Um, so I did learn a little bit, a few things. I know she's young. She, Or at least when the first book came out, she was like 24 or something. Yeah, she's 27 now. Wow. She says she's a Slytherin, which I kind of think is funny. <laughs> um and you know how we were talking about how we were reading the back of this book and we said it reminded us a lot of Red Rising? Yeah. Is she a fan? She addresses that. She said that she's never met Pierce Brown and she's never read or Red Rising. Dog. Or his dog. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, have, I have to tell you a story about that. Oh, um, and then it came out. So I guess Red Rising came out a month after she finished her first draft of Red Queen. And she said that like, the word red was like a zeitgeist of the time, and it's a total coincidence. Well, that's so funny because it also, I mean, as we read the book, I saw more kind of kind of related connections, you know, like yeah. even just the rise and red in their slogan, the Scarlet Guard slogan. And Oh, yeah. Um, rise, red like the dawn. Yeah. 
I um, I totally agree. I don't know. I sent you maybe yeah. one picture, but I got like the collector's edition version of Red Queen, and it's got beautiful pictures in it too. It's been really fun Ooh. to read. Not not like real illustrations, but every I don't know. There's been like three or four so far. It'll be like a red and black and silver and white like diagrammy picture. We'll put them in our Instagram. And the book's like all red, and it got all over my hands, but otherwise it's all. Awesome. Oh no. <laughs> Um, oh, the thing I wanted to tell you about Pierce oh, yeah. Brown was, so Chad and I were in California last year, like around the time we were, we were reading Red Rising uh-huh. and I follow Pierce Brown on Instagram and he said that he was in like one of the national parks in California and we were in one of the national parks and then we were on a beach and I swear to God, Katie, I saw someone who looks just like him who had the same similar dog that he did. Did and you I go was, up to them? No, I was freaking out just <laughs> by myself. And I was and I was like, I think that's I think that's him. And Chad was like, Well, go say something. And I was like, No, I can't. I can't. And then I finally like creepily went a little bit closer and it was not him. <laughs> but for like five seconds, I was so excited. And also uh-huh. too scared to go say hi. That is tough because I feel like I do the same way. I would like really, really want to say something, but I like overthink what to say and be like, I'm going to embarrass myself. I can't do it. I met Christian Siriano in New York one time by accident awesome. when, when he like just won uh, Project Runway. So when he, I mean, he's still super popular, but it was like when he was exploding and I was in New York and I was lost and I just needed to ask someone where the subway was. And my friend was like, just go ask those guys. So I went up to these guys and as I got closer, I was like, that looks like Christian Siriano. And then I was like, oh my God, it is Christian Siriano. <laughs> and I tried to play it super cool. And I was like, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm looking for the R line. And he was super nice and he gave us directions. And then I couldn't help it. And I just looked at him and I was like, are you Christian? <laughs> Which sounds so weird. But I was like, are you Christian? He was like, yes, I am. And I was I was just a crazy squealing fangirl. I was, it was so embarrassing. Did you but get a picture or anything? No, no, no. I was just like, you're awesome. I love you. I watched you in college and you were fantastic. And he was like, thank you so much. He was really, really nice. That's awesome. I feel like I don't have any good stories of running into someone famous. But I feel like I have to have one and I'm just forgetting it. But... Um, the girl from the Hunger Games also walked in on me when I was peeing in a bathroom <laughs> once. Jenna Malone. Yeah. yeah, I was in a I was in a restaurant in LA visiting a friend, and she was like, "We went out to a restaurant," and she was like, "Just so you know, you might see a celebrity here." And I was like, Ugh. and it was not the way I wanted to meet Jenna Malone. <laughs> but she was really embarrassed, and I felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> she literally walked right in on me, and I was like, I love you in the Hunger Games. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, that might be, like, a more memorable fan encounter for her, too. Like, I don't I know. surprise my fans everywhere, <laughs> even when they don't really want it. Anyway, should we talk about this book? Well, it, we can kind of connect to it, because at one point, Mare, the main character, runs into a famous person that she doesn't recognize. Oh, okay. That's very. That's a very good segue. <laughs> so that, this all made sense. Well done, Marla. <laughs> that's what I was getting to. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about the characters? You want to talk about world building? Uh, any of it? All of it? Let's Let's talk about characters. Okay. Okay. So our main character is Mare. 
or now now she's going by Marina. Lady Marina. And she is weird. <laughs> you think she's weird? She thinks she's weird. She is the only abnormal or straight. I mean, didn't she? I forget what her word was, but when she like was crying on the balcony, wasn't it like, I'm weird? <laughs> unusual. Um, she's unusual. Okay. Okay. That's a better way to say it, I suppose. <laughs> she's a weirdo. <laughs> Well, she is the only red that we know of right now who has like a super ability and her ability is this electricity thing. She can like manipulate electricity and create lightning. She's a little lightning girl, Mm -hmm. but also it seems like it's a weird ability even in the silver world because it seems like there are certain types of I'm still, like, trying to get a sense for, like, what's possible for Silvers and what isn't. I feel like we're, like, learning about a lot of powers at different points still. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like this is a somewhat unique ability and especially the fact that she can create energy. Right. That's always, like, the law of not physics. That's not really conservation. the Conservation. Right. The law of conservation. Yeah. <laughs> you can't create energy. You can only manipulate it. Mm-hmm. And she's the only one who can, like, create lightning and create electricity from nothing. So, I have a question for you. Although, this okay. might, I don't know if this is something you spoiled for yourself or not. But oh. do you think she's really the only red who can do stuff? That's not what I spoiled for myself. Okay. But I think we're going to discover more reds who have the ability, definitely. And do you think they'll have the same ability? Or do you think it'll be, like, a bunch of different stuff? Um, I think it'll be different. I'm curious. I hope that I, I agree. I think we're going to see more of it at some point, whether it's in this book or later in the series. Um, but I also hope we get some kind of explanation for how they developed. Oh, yeah. Like what caused the superpowers in these people? Yeah. Because it's like in their blood, right? Like the silvers have silver blood. Well, apparently that's, like, the difference between silvers and reds. Somehow, like, humans evolved on two paths, basically. Right. And their blood color changed and they got magic powers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she clearly has red blood. Yeah. Because at first I thought she was going to have silver blood, and then I was like, wait a minute, she's never, like, cut herself and realized her blood was silver? But no, she does have red blood. Yeah, she has red And that's why they make her wear all that, like, powder. I thought that, that's one of my favorite, like, um small world building character building things is how they talk about like the silvers and how when they like flush they look you know they get pale, pale and yeah she's fighting I, I think that's just kind of like a fun little detail in the book that's come up a couple of times yeah and it's kind of interesting now because it reminds me a little bit of our last series we read uh flame in the mist where she's kind of undercover a little bit mm-hmm. so she was like whisked away from her old life and now she's living in this palace masquerading as a silver and it reminded me a little bit of Mariko when she was um you know infiltrating the black clan and then when she's kind of put in the palace to be a spy um I'm really afraid for her yeah except in the last series the disguise was like freeing and this one feels very imprisoned like oh yeah you know and some, she's the, like, peasant marrying a prince and blah, 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 which could be seen as, like, this amazing, happy, wonderful story, but that's really not the reality of the situation at all right now. And that's actually, I read in, before I cut the interview short with Victoria Aviard, I um, 
was reading that she purposely wanted to take that trope, the idea of like peasant girl marrying a prince, and she wanted to turn it on its head. And so she was she was like, I was interested in creating a situation where instead of it being this really beautiful thing, the idea of a peasant girl marrying a prince turns into a nightmare. And I was like, ooh. It's not the happy ending that you're led right. to believe in every other, yep. I like that. I like that a lot. I, and I like, I don't know, I'm really uh, getting into it pretty quick. Me too. I, I read these 200 pages in a day. One day. Toby wants to comment on that. Toby is shocked and impressed with me. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I read it really quick too. I mean, I think some of our listeners know that my life has been crazy and everything. And I didn't think I'd have time to read 200 pages by the time we set our deadline, but it went really fast. Yeah. And I'm really interested. Um, I like how the book is set up to introduce us to certain things in a way that feels not forced at all. Like, I think I think this author is really talented because I was really curious to learn about the silver superpowers. And then she set up um, the feats that happen, like, on the, every first mm-hmm. Friday where the silver's come into the red communities and kind of have this competition where they like demonstrate their strength and there was just so much packed into that like we learned about the different superhuman abilities like the strong arms who have a lot of strength and the talkies who can move things with their minds but then you also see kind of the politics that play too and I think uh, Mare's mm-hmm. friends Keylorn just likes it for the entertainment but Mare kind of sees it as a way that silvers show the reds every month that they are so much more powerful than them. And it's like a power play to remind them that they'll never be able to defeat them. Yeah, but on the flip side, even though um, Killorn sees it as entertainment, he's entertained because the silvers are bleeding. So there is right. still this, they're, both sides are still painting this picture of this red versus silver, the politics of the region, the power disparity and and all of that so it is really interesting and I um now obviously we know about her electrical abilities but I remember thinking when she heard that loud sound and no one else really was reacting to it or she heard the start sound at the beginning watching his feet um I was waiting for that to mean something I had no idea she was going to have electrical lightning power Mm -hmm. but I, I thought that was kind of fun that we were even introduced to her power that she didn't know about you know kind of early on Mm -hmm. and I like her family like I like you know even the story about her brothers and the earrings and sort of her relationship with her sister and parents and just seeing all the stuff that they've been through as a family and you know how they reacted when she came home after being in the palace and then them learning about her abilities and being kind of scared but still supporting and loving her I don't know I just I'm, re- I'm really liking I'm really liking it the family dynamics good I really felt awful when that happened to Gisa 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 when yeah. they go to steal from the silver city and she gets caught and they break her sewing hand that was yeah. like oh that was really devastating because the whole time you're thinking that Gisa, the young, younger sister, is going to be the one who's going to pull the family out of poverty, and like they were depending on her so much. And I thought that her, she would help Mare, you know. I mean, and she did. She brought her into the villa, you know, all this stuff. But I was not expecting that at all. That she, like, all of her dreams would be right. 
stomped that quickly. It actually inspired some of my research. Oh, should we go into that now? We, we can or we can wait. Let's do it. Okay. Research segment. So I started on like looking at punishments for crimes that don't necessarily line up. And I looked at like the world's most barbaric punishments and got really depressed. Oh. So instead, <laughs> I went a little <laughs> bit to the side and I looked up just kind of like weird criminal sentences that people have had for different things. Oh, interesting. Okay. So um, here's some funny stories. In 2008, there was this landlord in Cleveland who was in violation of a bunch of different building codes on multiple different properties. And his punishment was that he was under house arrest in one of his own units. So he was forced <laughs> to live in one of like these falling apart rental houses his for six shitty months. apartments? When was that? 2008. Oh my god! I've had a couple landlords who mm, I would like to do that to them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this one, this one's 2012, and it's in Colorado. And basically, these two 13-year-olds were at McDonald's, and they befriended a three-year-old who had really curly hair. Oh no! And they wanted to. I don't know where this idea came from, but they went and asked McDonald's if they had any scissors. They didn't. So they went next door and bought scissors at like the dollar store and came back and cut off this little girl's really curly hair. Oh my God. And I guess, I think also the, the 13 year old, um, had been involved in some bullying and stuff before. So this might not have been the only thing that happened to her, but she was sentenced to 30 days in detention and 276 hours of community service. But the judge gave her mom a deal and said if she cut her teenager, her teenage daughter's ponytail off right there in the courtroom, he would reduce her sentence. Oh, my God. Um, and so... Did she do it? Yeah, she did it Ooh. and later regretted it and filed a complaint. And then the other friend... Yeah, that's the, not right. The other 13-year-old's friend was ordered to cut her hair as short as the judge's, but she was allowed to go to a salon. That's bizarre. Isn't that weird? A lot of these were, like, weird and kind of funny. But you always hear stories about that of like parents who like one of their siblings cuts the hair of the other sibling and then the parents like, well, guess what's happening to you? And that makes sense if you're in your house and it's your kids and your, you know, it's like weird that it's a judge thing. Still, it's I mean, it's still not a great thing to do. Um, there was this lady. This is also in Cleveland. Um, <laughs> oh, God, what's happening in Cleveland? <laughs> she was ordered to spend two days standing on a corner during rush hour traffic holding a sign that said only an idiot would drive on the sidewalk to avoid a school bus <gasps> wait who because made her do that that's what she did the judge no yeah he was trying to remind multiple people that to respect the school bus and the law oh, and so he had my. her out there i mean i would rather do that than go to jail 100 percent. but still like that's just such weird shaming in both cases yeah. There's, like, a few more stories like that. Like, I still um, can't get over the landlord one. That's such a... That is, like, actually great justice right there, I think. <laughs> there was there was this couple, I think it was, who in 2002 in Ohio um, vandalized a nativity scene at mm. a Catholic church. Mm-hmm. They were teenagers. And they were ordered to replace the statue and then lead a donkey through the street. <laughs> No. And the donkey had to wear a sign saying, 
sorry for the jackass offense. <laughs> oh, why did you have to bring the donkey into it? He didn't have anything to do with this. <laughs> and then also talking about um, the, like... <laughs> These are so great, Katie. <laughs> I know. I would, like, it was barely related to getting your hand smashed that you need to support your entire family from being conscripted, but... You know, it'll work. Um, so there was this one lady who was accused of selling fake IDs. And basically what she was caught for or whatever, the punishment is usually 15 years in prison. Whoa. But the judge said, um, I'll put you on probation. I'll fine you $3,000. And you have to spend a minimum of three days in jail each year for five years, always over Christmas. Oh, my God. Oh, <gasps> That's crazy. And apparently, this sentence is called the Holbrook Holidays, because the judge's name was Holbrook, but um, he's done 40 similar sentences, and he always finds the perpetrator's favorite holiday. (gasps) Mine would be Halloween. Yeah. But still, I mean, like, would you rather spend 15 years in jail or five Christmases in jail? Like, I mean, it sucks. I mean, absolutely five Christmases, but still, like... Yeah. Oh, this one's kind of funny. This is an 89-year-old little German lady who in 2008 was tired of her neighbors parking on the street in front of her oh, home. Oh, no, don't piss off old ladies. <laughs> so she slashed the tires of dozens <gasps> of cars parked on her street. Just all of them? There, Some sources say the number was 50 slash tires, or 50 cars. Oh, my God, that's so, so many slash. cars. So this is just this, like, old lady going around slashing <laughs> tires because she's With fed a box up. cutter. <laughs> so she confessed, and originally she was sentence with fines but she couldn't afford it mm-hmm. so she offered to knit sweaters for the people no, whose no, tires no. she ruined did they accept <laughs> um i i mean i think if it's on this list they did but i didn't do enough i would want you to pay for my new tire i don't want an ugly knitted sweater yeah but i thought that was so funny that is i'm just imagining hysterical. this angry 89 year old woman i just imagine like when they bring forward the person who slashed your tires and it's an 89-year-old woman and you're like, this can't be true. <laughs> well, I just love whoever called it in. Apparently it was a neighbor who, like, saw her and, like, you know, <laughs> ratted on her or whatever. But I'm just, like, just imagine watching it. Like, watching this lady go from t- car to car. <laughs> slashing I'm imagining tires. my grandma right now. <laughs> <laughs> can't. <laughs> That's a brave old lady, I have to say. Okay, this one's pretty funny. Um, so, 12 goats climbed on top of a police car. It's <laughs> a great start already. And they damaged the wipers, the glass, and scratched the paint. Um, okay. And the police officer was really upset about the damaged car, obviously. So, mm-hmm. and it was, like, brand new. Like, they had just gotten the car two days before. So, he grabbed three of the goats and put them in a cage. <laughs> oh, no! And, um... I don't know. He just got... I don't know what he was expecting. Like, these goats are going to learn their lesson by putting them in jail. <laughs> um, Wait, and then 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 what? I didn't hear about the goats in the cage. What happened to them? How long do they have to do time for? I think a few days until their own family <laughs> got them. But uh, the funny thing about that, oh, I'm reading these, and James is like, oh, I have a really funny story to tell you about when my dad and I used to drive to school. So I'm like, okay, tell Okay. Me. And he's like, we were at an intersection, and we looked out the window, and there was a goat standing on a cinder block. And then he just laughed for like three minutes. That was his story. That's it. It was probably the goat that was jumping up on top of that car and got away. I know. I I was like, that's not even that funny <laughs> story. But 
I don't, uh, what's the punchline? Did you finish? Goats are always funny. No matter what they're doing. There's also a woman, just because we're talking about YA fiction, who was, she had a set of DVDs for Twilight New Moon and the one of the Twilight books that she forgot to return to the library. Okay. And a warrant was out for her arrest that she never got because no. she, like... She had moved. She had never received any of these notices. Um, but this detective was in the area responding to some other kind of disturbance and, like, was talking to her and then discovered the warrant and he arrested her in front of her children. Oh, so they, no. Over a Twilight all, DVD? Yeah, she didn't even remember reading the book. She's like, I don't even know if I've ever read that book. The public library had already replaced it. Like, it's not that big of a deal, but she ended up spending a night in jail. Oh, that's terrible. Isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's like, my worst nightmare because I'm always so paranoid that I'm going to forget about a library book that I have and that's going to happen. <laughs> I actually think I still owe Northwestern a library. I think I paid paid it off because I have no idea where this library book is. But I'm hoping in one of my moves one day I'm going to discover it. <laughs> if you do, I'll edit that out. <laughs> um, this one. And I just, I love some of the judges that have, like, actually pretty creative solution or, you know, um, what's it called? sentences well i think if it keeps you out of jail for something that's stupid i think it's probably better than or even just things that'll make more of an impact and usually they're offered something like they get to decide if they want to go to jail for the full time or take this weird option or yeah cut off your ponytail um so there was this other also an ohio judge i guess ohio either has a lot of weird judges or i'm seeing multiple stories from the same judge but this woman, she abandoned 35 kittens in a park in 2005, oh. and nine of them died, and a lot of them were oh, really no. ill. So she was obviously uh, sentenced for domestic animal abandonment, and she got to choose between 90 days in jail or 14 days in jail, 15 days under house arrest, or a donation to the Humane Society and one night alone in the woods. No. And she chose that, so she had to spend one night with no food or camping gear in the woods. Wow. I I was almost going to say it should have been longer, but obviously you don't want to torture people. Yeah, but hopefully that at least made its point. There was also, I don't have it up in front of me, but there was a lady who had, like, starved horses or something. Oh, no. And she was sentenced to just bread and water for the first five days of her jail sentence or something like that. Or maybe it wasn't five. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Wow. I'm shocked that judges were allowed to do things like that. And, again, it might have been another one of those 30 years in jail or 10 years and do this for five days or something. But I do think there is something about, like, the... It's like an eye for an eye. Yeah. Which reminds me of the brutal stuff I read. But we won't go into that. <laughs> we don't have to go there. Well, you know what? That's funny because I started researching stuff too, and I started going really dark, and then I just backed off, and I was like, no, I'm going to do this instead. So I was inspired. First, I was I was reading about, uh, I was thinking about how at the beginning, Mare and Killorn want to dodge the conscription, the army conscription, yep. because mm-hmm. Killorn... Um, loses his apprenticeship, his master dies, and he's going to be conscripted into the army. And then Mare's like trying to find a way to smuggle them to safety. So I started researching draft dodgers. <laughs> and then I was like, this is just getting way too political. And so then I was like, okay, 
what else did I really like in this book? And I also really liked um, the Queen's Trial. Ah, I did too. I, I couldn't think of anything to research with that, but I had that written down as my things to research. <laughs> so I liked the Queen's Trial because it started out and I was really afraid because it was like a competition to see who was going to marry the prince, Prince Cal. And I immediately disliked it because I was like, oh God, it's going to be like a beauty pageant. You know, it's going to be like the selection. And then it turned out to be this like battle of strength and mm-hmm. like for women to show how powerful they were. And the whole point was like the prince needs to marry a, a woman who is going to be very powerful and will help the kingdom. And so I kind of liked that a little bit better. I mean, it's never good to like make women compete against each other for a man, for sure. Um, and some mm-hmm. of them were 14, which I also didn't like. I know. I had a lot of questions about some of the, was this like a, if you have a daughter and you're in a royal family, as long as they're somewhat close to the prince's age, aka the same generation, they're going to go into this thing. But so. also everyone already knows who's going to win, but also, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like it was pretty much everyone knew Evangeline was, she was the favorite going into it. But still the other girls were like really disappointed. And I didn't like that whole thing but mm-hmm. yeah. so I was trying to research instances in history where there was a competition to determine who would be queen or king and, and I couldn't find anything so okay. then I started researching beauty pageants like this is just this was a freewheeling research session on my part but then I found these really strange beauty pageants throughout history and okay I want to hear all right I'm gonna send you a picture and it is the scariest picture you'll ever see. Okay. So, hold on. There's like a million pictures of my dog because Banjo got groomed today. Okay, here we go. <laughs> well, send me one of those too to counteract the scary one. So there was this competition called Miss Lovely Eyes. <laughs> and it was popular during the 1930s. And in it, women would compete to see who had the loveliest eyes. But to do so, they wore these full face masks oh my goodness with everything covered except their eyes and they're like these jason masks from halloween and did you get it yeah oh my goodness (laughs) they look like a bunch of hannibal lecters just lined up in a row (laughs) isn't that creepy that is so creepy there's gotta be a better way to do that you know what they look like they look like my mask from um sleep no more when I, when I went to Sleep No More in New York. That's what the masks look like. I mean, to be fair, they all, like, the only distinguishing feature <laughs> is the eyes. Really. I mean, like, it really makes you focus in on that, I guess. But, wow. So they also had a competition called Miss Beautiful Legs and Miss Prettiest Ankles, which became popular in France and Britain. And I wish I had this one. Wait, maybe I have this one, too. So for Miss Prettiest Legs... They all wore pillowcases. Oh, oh no, I didn't say it. I have to send this one to you later. They wore pillowcases over their entire bodies with like these little eyes cut out for, or these little holes cut out for their eyes. <laughs> and they just look like a bunch of little ghosts <laughs> standing in a row. Ghosts, yeah. yeah, they look exactly like if you just put a sheet over you and then cut holes in it and it's just their little legs sticking out <laughs> to see who had the prettiest legs. And then they did the same thing for the ankles. They like had a curtain set up and with holes in it and the women would just stick their feet through the hole so you could just see their ankles that's funny it's also i don't know if it's it's better or worse but 
it's kind of nice that there were different ones for different body parts so that no it's just you know? stupid <laughs> not just the prettiest person but you could have prettiest <laughs> ankles and i could have prettiest eyes so there was also for men there was the knobbly knees competition which so what do you i'm unclear is... on how they judged that or or what you had to do to become the winner of that one but they did have ones for men too and then the best one, like the winner of all the competitions that are already so stupid is Miss Perfect Posture. Okay. So this one was held in the 1950s and the 1960s, and it was awarded to the woman who had clinically the best posture. Clinically? So clinically. So all the judges were chiropractors. <laughs> And they all checked the contestants' postures using x-rays, weighing scales, and plumb bobs, which were used to determine how straight your back was. That is hilarious. I'm just imagining winning this. Like, would this be something you brag about later? Yeah. Would this be on your Tinder profile? Like, I won the best posture contest of Mm -hmm. 2017. There are pictures of the winners standing next to their x-rays, like posing next to this x-ray of their spine. I guess in some, do you get like free x-rays that like if you needed something checked out, would you? <laughs> I guess you probably won money. I don't know what you won. I'm sure, I mean, it must have been something for women to do this. So funny. Stupid, stupid thing. But I think that was probably like a publicity stunt for, um, for chiropractors. Right? <laughs> There's just so many weird ones. There's also Queen of National Hot Dog Week. And it was just a bunch of women posing, wearing necklaces and skirts and crowns made entirely of hot dog links. So are these things, are these like still going on? No, 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 no. None of these are. I'm trying to, because like if all this stuff is happening, I feel like I could go win some kind of beauty contest or some kind of cont- contest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know for what. Know. Know, yeah, be... I was just thinking, maybe this hot dog contest. <laughs> 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 and that was from allthatisinteresting.org. That was my That's research so this week. funny. Yeah, it was actually pretty hilarious. I thought about the draft dodging thing too, and I actually thought you might look into it, so I decided oh. to look into something else. But no, I mean I read a little bit about it. I guess it's they started a draft in the Civil War, which I didn't know. Oh, that's all I learned. And <laughs> <The reason laughs> I stopped because I was like, this is getting depressing. So, okay, what do we think of the princes, Cal and Maven? Because right now, Miss Mayor is betrothed to Prince Maven, mm-hmm. and. It seems like they're doing that so they can keep an eye on her, but also because we have this rebel group called the Scarlet Guard, and they are kind of creating some problems. They're creating some terrorist attacks. They're literally blowing things up, so yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and they think that maybe having a girl like Mare, who is a red with, with silver powers, might create a distraction. Although they're selling her as a silver who was raised by reds. Yeah, a long-lost daughter. Yeah. So I'm curious I'm curious about these princes because where we, where we left off before Chapter 17, Mare becomes one of the Scarlet Guard, and when she goes to meet them at midnight, Maven shows up, the prince that she's engaged to. So what are the princes doing? Yeah, every time she starts to think one of them is not as bad as she thinks they are, then I start to get suspicious that they really are worse than I think they Ooh, are. So you don't trust... <laughs> Them? So, like, at first, when she didn't like 
trust Maven, I was like, he's probably a good guy. And now that he's like, seems like he's on their side, I'm like, nope, he's up to no good. (laughs) I'm just like very suspicious. I think I'm just like expecting a twist somewhere. So yeah, but I like the two brothers. I like their relationship with each other and how they're like seem brotherly and they care about each other on the one hand, but also there is some kind of not jealousy, but One's always living in the shadow of the other. Yes, yes. Yeah. So there's some rivalry a bit. Yep. And I think they both have secrets mm-hmm. that are either going to be really, really helpful or really, really bad. But I'm not sure which one is which. <laughs> well, I like that Cal goes around in disguise to like learn more about his people. Like yep. He's the prince who dresses up like a commoner and walks about trying to figure out the problems and like really wants to know what's going on in his country, which is super admirable. And even though it backfired, I think he was trying to do something good for Mare when he (laughs) brought her to the castle. And I think he means well. And at first I thought he'd be like a really good ally, but now we're also finding out he also, at least to some extent, wants to maintain the status quo because he thinks any alternative would bring in worse problems from their like international enemies. Yeah, because we learned from Maven. Maven was the one who says his brother doesn't think the cost, that change is worth the cost. And he's not willing to give his life for it. But wasn't Cal also talking about it when he, wasn't he the one who was explaining to Mare like the Reds, basically all the other nations around us are silver elite and set up like we are and our allies would turn on us if we tried yeah. to shift things around and we'd like be defeated from all sides so like I sort of get his perspective from a strategic I mean like I I understand why he's saying that I don't think it's right I think there's got to be some other solution there but I it's not like he's just selfishly like I like being in power and I don't think reds are worth it or something yeah I feel like they both have they're both doing what they think is best for their country they just are on slightly different sides and I don't think either one believes that what their father is doing is right Mm-hmm. Um, I just think they have different views on how they can change it. Yeah, I'm curious though. I like that Maven wants to join the Scarlet Guard in some ways because I'm hoping that means he's open to change and stuff. But I also am a little bit suspicious of his motive. Like, I don't feel like we have a good sense of what a happy end goal looks like from his perspective. Yeah. Um, because I sort of feel like the Scarlet Guard right now is, at least what we know about it, I think they're probably more organize and have a different mission than we're really aware of right now but they sort of seem like they're just trying to upset the status quo and make a point to the silvers and i think there's probably more to it than that but that's really all we know about them right now. so far yeah i'm sure we'll learn more yeah i mean obviously they're very organized and they have a lot of wide reach so i'm sure like i i think there's more to them than that but we don't really know what their end goal is either and i don't even know what the end goal between mare and maven is like i yeah i doubt that they'll actually get married personally because right now no one knows that she has red blood right well and I wonder what the timeline even is for this like engagement thing like is Evangeline supposed to marry Cal soon first and Ugh. is that supposed to happen like I don't know. in this book or in the, the next three years or you know yeah <laughs> one day and even though I mean I don't really want them to marry because I don't really like anyone who has to get married because they're supposed to they are they do see like everyone seems to be getting along still for the most part except for Evangeline and Mare I guess but yeah I'm wondering if they'll pose it as like she learns to really love Maven and like doesn't at the end they 
are kind of happy about marrying each other. But then there's Killorn. Although there's something weird going on with her and Cal, too. There's, like, that... Isn't there, like, a weird spark attraction? <laughs> you mean there? when he took her on his motorcycle to go visit her family? <laughs> yeah. That was so weird. I'm sorry, but that was so <laughs> weird. Like, <laughs> like they were just in the palace, and he was like, hey, do you want to go see your family? And he takes her <laughs> on a motorcycle. It just felt really out of place to me. Well, I think it was supposed to be out of place, because you hear about how... <laughs> He's trying, he's like built, like, I think it was supposed to be another layer to him or something, but. It's just weird when there's like such a modern thing. And I know this, this story does take place in a future. It's like a dystopia, but I don't know. It just seems a little out of place and it it was a little silly for me. It was like a detail that didn't really fit in with everything else. But I mean, they did have to get her around somehow. (laughs) Like, what was the alternative really? I don't know. Because I don't think they were close enough to walk. (laughs) Yeah, I guess a horse and carriage would have worked. But I don't even think people, like, that's the thing, like, this village, there's, like, not a lot of, there's, like, magic powers, but not as much technology in the village, right? Well, I think the village is supposed to be very, like, very poor. Yeah. So that makes sense. But even the, I, I sort of feel like because people are relying on their magic, there's not even as much technology as you would think, at least in the silver world. Well, they're also at war, so I don't know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe that factors into it. But speaking of, this isn't really what we were speaking of at all, but when we ended this part of the book, Evangeline had just challenged Marina or Mare to duel, Fight. basically. What do you think about that? Oh, and if she bleeds, yeah. she'll be discovered. Yeah. I almost, like, forgot that detail at first. Like, at first I was just like, ooh, fight scene or something. But then I was like, oh, wait, she, like, literally can't bleed in front of people, even with healers there. It's such a flimsy disguise. I'm very concerned. It took all of my power not to keep reading. Even when she, like, was pinched or whatever, and she thought someone was going to draw blood. Like, I'm like, oh, and I am really clumsy. Like, I I don't... My thumb is bleeding right now. (laughs) Actually. Yeah, it's a little scary. And then... I'm also really interested to know what happens to Keelorn because it seemed like before she met Maven and Cal and became a princess, she was probably going to marry him. Yeah. Or at least they were going to run away together when they went to... Well, didn't she mention something about children with his eyes and her legs or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was set on being with him or just that was like the plan. Or the dream. It seemed like an impossible plan, but like like if things worked out, that would be what she would want kind of thing. Yeah. But now he he didn't take the news of her being having silver powers very well. No. I would say that that did not go very well. Yeah. And he's very angry at her now and he's like he wants to join the guard and she's upset with him because she feels like she's sacrificed so much to keep him safe and he's not, you know, honoring that. And I'm just I don't know. It it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Hunger Games, like the love triangle between Katniss Gale and Peeta a little bit. And so mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious how it plays out and if he will stay a potential love interest for her. Yeah. No, I agree. And I'm curious to actually see more of their relationship from before or at least how it's changed now, too. Like, I want to see them interact more because yeah. I think he also provides a great alternative to the red point of view because he seems to approach it very differently than she does. But then also, doesn't her sister have a crush on him? Yeah. So but she's I'm curious. Like 14. If, I don't know. Well, how old are they? What's the age difference? I don't. That's the other thing. I feel like I have no idea how old anyone is. I think Mare's 18. Okay, that's fair. I think they're late teens. Yeah. Okay. 
oh, we'll have to find it. And there's just like so many good side characters too. Like I'm really into her, um, her teachers. The bodyguard or the soldier. I like him. Yeah. Oh, Lu- Lucas. Yeah. I like Lucas. I like Julian a lot. Mm-hmm. I like how we learned that Julian and um, Cal's mother, they were related. They were brother and sister. Um, and I, I like when he hints that his sister was killed kind of like um, Mare's brother Shade was killed because she yeah. gets that notice that Shade deserted and was executed, but she then finds out that Shade was part of the Scarlet Guard and she thinks, you know, he was actually killed to silence him. And I hope we find out more about that, like what he was doing for the Scarlet Guard. Yeah. And, and it's kind of cool that Cal's mom what it seems like she was one of them too and was also silenced so now i'm like what's julian gonna do yeah i'm i love how into it i am i I know i was nervous going in because i i wasn't sure you know there's four books in this series so we have a long way to go and some short stories so we could be here for a while (laughs) yeah we're gonna be in this world for a while guys but so far really good yeah no, I agree. And I even like, I kind of want to know more about Mara's parents too. Like, I really like her dad a lot already. Oh. I like everybody. I just want to hear more about everybody. <laughs> Except for like most of the other Silvers who like are side side characters. Like all the girls besides Evangeline, I don't really care about mm-hmm. them. <laughs> They're being mean to her. They're being like petty and mean to yeah. her. I'm interested in, oh, Lady Era though, I'm interested in. She's the one who's the panther and oh, she's yeah. the spy and she's like, crying at Mare because she doesn't she like suspects something I mm-hmm. think so I think she's going to be a big enemy I'm actually really curious to hear some other theories of people because having a red with powers is considered impossible at this point I would think to right. most silvers so they've obviously seen her powers so as weird as that explanation is like what else I'm curious what else they're thinking because I doubt they're thinking she's a red with powers so maybe no. they're just thinking she's a silver but not one of the high families or maybe they're like I'm just I'm kind of curious what the alternative explanation that they're concocting is yes and I don't blame them for not trusting her honestly oh yeah no I don't either they shouldn't because <laughs> she's lying she isn't to them. she says she is <laughs> She's lying right to their faces. Um, okay. Do you want to keep reading? Yeah, I do. Was there anything yep. else? Nope. Okay. Let's get to it. Do you have a joke for me this week? I do. I feel like it's not super good. but You know I'll laugh like a hyena at everything. So I, I looked up prisoner dad jokes because it related to my Prisoner research. dad jokes? Yeah. Like okay. things related to prison. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Where can you find a bunch of clowns who deserve to be in jail? Oh, all clowns deserve to be in jail. (laughs) Where? Silly Con Valley. (laughs) Ooh, that's like a double entendre. That's like a jab at Silicon Valley people, too. Double whammy. Yep, there. That's your dad joke for the week. Enjoy it. I will. <laughs> it's better than the story of the Billy Goat that was standing it, on the yeah. thunder block. <laughs> Much better. James needs to work. Needs to work on his jokes. I think. But he was really happy. He was very excited to tell me that story. So it was good. I guess you had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go read and find out if she bleeds or not. Which oh. sounds like a really weird thing to say, but that's really what I want to know right now. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes your mind go to weird places where it's just like, it's better to leave that alone. I wonder, I bet it would be kind of cool to see on film the silvers versus the reds and, and some of the powers. 
if I had to pick a uh, favorite scene in this half of the book, which I know we do that like after a whole book, we pick our favorite scene, but I really want to see the queen's child. I want to see specifically when she falls off of the moving balcony or whatever. <laughs> and into, into the lightning the screen. The light, yeah. <laughs> yep. And is that what, is that what like woke up her power? Well, I kind of feel like, so you know how her, the electricity at her, at her house never worked? Oh, yeah. I think that was somehow related. Okay. And then obviously she was sensing it before, but she, until she started training, she couldn't really summon it at all. So it yeah. must be some kind of, but I'm curious too how Silvers even discover their power. I'm curious how her, if it's just that she didn't have the training or know anything to do or how to develop it, or if, like, I'm curious how related it is to a silver. Well, I feel like if you know you're born with it, like, if you're a silver and you know you're going to have a power. But that's what I mean. So is it just because, like, is hers the same, but they were just in an environment where they were coached and tested and whatever, and, you know, thought to try things, or is hers really so different from there? Like, I'm curious if she's really so different, or if she's more like a red who's evolved to have these powers, Maybe a bit of both. Maybe. She'll be more powerful than them all. <laughs> I really want to find a quiz online that tells us what our superpowers are. <gasps> oh, we have to find one. Ooh, I know. Because okay. right now I was trying to think of which superpower I'd want to have, and I'm I'm not sure yet. I want to learn more about them before I make any any rash decisions. The one that scares me the most is actually the queen's ability to read minds. Whisper. Especially with her son and Mare trying to I don't know I'm like nervous about them joining the Scarlet Guard and all this stuff because you can like control people's minds with that right yeah and you can just prod around in their memories and cause pain and all kinds of that one guy at the beginning forced when they were competing in the feet the whisper forced the other guy to stab himself yeah that was crazy that is a power I should not have I'm just gonna admit to that freely or no one around me should have yeah no one (laughs) no one should have that power (laughs) okay so we're gonna find a quiz we're gonna keep reading what if people want to get in touch with us marissa oh we forgot to say you want to get in touch with us (laughs) um if you want to send us a note you can reach us at mnktalkya at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you it makes our day and we respond to every email we get we are on Facebook at MNK Talk YA and we're on Instagram on MNK Talk YA. So follow us in our pictures of books and dogs and we whatnot. post a lot of pictures of our dogs. Because they're so cute. They are. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Bye bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.